You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. everyone and welcome to episode 426 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host Brad Rowland coming to you on a Thursday. Yes, a Thursday evening and I'm joined as I often am by Scott Coleman. And Scott, it's been a while since you and I have talked, at least in this form. Welcome back to your own podcast, I suppose. How are you? It's good to be back, Brad. Um, sadly, we have not had many opportunities to talk over these last couple of weeks because of the early exit. The last time you and I did a podcast together was post game three, which uh, is a a game I don't want to relive. So (laughs) uh, better vibes tonight. It would be hard to have worse vibes than the last time you and I got together. But um, overall, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just part of the healing process sounds dramatic, but it's kind of the healing process, the post mortem after a season ends so abruptly, but doing well and and it's uh even if the Braves aren't going there's been some good playoff baseball football NBA NHL a lot of good sports happening yeah so our our project today obviously not our normal time slot and you know our normal time slot is still normally when we're, when we're going to be recording in the offseason but not not always Sundays like we usually do there's not quite as much structure in the offseason but obviously we'll get into um kind of the as you probably saw with the headline of this podcast some of the general table setting of the offseason. So we're purposely not going to go super deep on any of these topics, but kind of going to run through what the stuff, the big stuff is to watch for and kind of monitor in the next couple of weeks and months for the Braves. And at the end of the show, we'll probably talk a little bit of World Series because uh, it's a random one in a lot of ways. And we'll discuss that your hometown, Arizona Diamondbacks, are uh, participating in the World Series, which we'll touch later on. Uh, Hey, before we go, Brad, we got to give a big shout out to the Arizona Diamondbacks for 
knocking out the Phillies and not only knocking out the Phillies, but to win a game seven on another team's field, they were down 2-0, like pretty convincingly down 2-0 in the NLCS and then down 3-2 going to Philadelphia. I mean, I don't think there was a person on earth who thought the Diamondbacks had a chance after either of those scenarios. Just uh, a really gutty and impressive performance. They completely shut down the Phillies lineup, which is kind of like jarring to see when Bryce Harper's not three for four every night and Trey Turner's not all over the place. I mean, they did a tremendous job calming the Phillies lineup down, especially at Citizens Bank Park, where they have been so good. So shout out Diamondbacks and uh, yeah, just a super random World Series. Yeah, I got I got more than one message, I would say, from Braves fans and listeners to this podcast. Basically, you know, taking a, a mini celebration, at least, about the Phillies not either winning the World Series or even winning the National League. Um, obviously, the investment level for many people was a lot lower by that point in time. But um, as Braves fans, probably most Braves fans, if not all Braves fans, were rooting somewhere um, along the line for Arizona in that series, just because no one likes the Phillies. If you're a Braves fan, it's kind of part of the rules for division rivals. And uh, yeah, unlikely to be sure. And uh, certainly you and I still like baseball. And I know a lot of Braves fans kind of tune out. And I, I don't blame anybody for not tuning in once the Braves lose or whatever's going on. But we just kind of enjoy baseball. So uh, we'll talk about that more at the end of the show. There is one bit of news then we have to at least reference, and I know uh, shouts to Sean Coleman, who did an episode of the Daily Hammer last night on Wednesday into Thursday about this topic mostly. But the Braves have already started moving things in the offseason, and they signed Pierce Johnson. So if you missed this or if you're unfamiliar, you can re-sign your own guys before the window opens for free agency. So there's no, like, deadline. You know, this is not like one of those things where they could sign anybody else, but because he was a free agent coming off the off the roster, they were allowed to sign him two years $14 million with a club option in 2026. And uh, as discussed by you and I a lot in the last probably, you know, month and a half, two months, he was very, very good for Atlanta. And uh, that made him a lot of money because I'm not sure he was going to get this much money. In fact, I'm sure that he wasn't going to get this, this much money uh, if not for the run that he had at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I really like this deal. And, you know, what we'll say this off the top. It is yours and my civic duty to point out that relievers oh, yeah. year over year, can be very volatile. They they can be good and then they can be bad and then they can be good again and then bad again. So now that that's out of the way, I really like Pierce Johnson. He, he was so impressive after the trade and it was like immediate, right? Like you, the trade is announced and everyone at first glance is like, wow, this guy has an ERA in the sixes. What are the Braves doing? And then you watch him come out of the bullpen and he's firing upper 90s fastballs and then has that nasty wipeout sweeper curve slider that he throws he's very much a modern reliever in that sense he was nearly perfect with the Braves a 0.76 ERA over 23 innings Uh, strikeouts were superb 36 percent and really cut his walks down which is something that has plagued him in the past only a 5.6 percent walk rate which is phenomenal for a guy who has the stuff that he has so Sure, there, there's a little bit of risk anytime you're dealing with relievers. That is the name of the game. But for $7 million bucks a year for the next two seasons and for Alex Anthopoulos to get this done before he had the opportunity to negotiate with 29 other teams in free agency, it, it feels like a really nice deal for both sides. Yeah, I, I, look, you said it, so I didn't have to. There's always a little bit of risk. 
on reliever deals like this, especially for more than one season. And, you know, if, if you get the 2022 version of Pierce Johnson, you won't like this deal. He was not very good last year and for a large portion of this year before he arrived to, to Atlanta. But if you get this year's Braves version or, you know, he was very good in 2021 with the Padres, like he's kind of a great shiny example, actually, of our you know our pet theory about relievers and how up and down they, they can be. But he's obviously quite talented. The Braves clearly liked him enough to invest in him quickly like this. And it's a reasonable number um, for what he is capable of doing. And look, you know, we'll save this mostly for later on, but he is in line for a pretty high leverage role. Like clearly he won't be ahead of Iglesias or Minter probably in the pecking order, but he might be their number three guy in the bullpen. He's being paid like that. This is kind of like a number two, number three guy in the bullpen kind of salary. And uh, I think he, if he's the guy that he was and his multiple size with Atlanta, he is worth that. I mean, he obviously was very, very good as you laid out. So uh, no real hot take. It's like, okay, kind of nod your head, appropriate deal. Not a huge heist or anything, not, not a huge value. Like the Braves, I think Braves fans, including us, are spoiled about some of these deals that they've been able to pull off. They're like so unequivocally awesome. But this is one that's just like, okay, that makes sense for both sides, like you said. And it's like kind of like a C plus, B minus deal and move on from there. It's it's, it's a good time. Yeah. yeah, a nice move to begin the offseason with. It checks off the second righty in the bullpen, assuming he continues to pitch well. And clearly the Braves targeted Pierce. They they traded for him a full week before the deadline. So they clearly saw something they liked. Again, with that kind of a pitch mix, it felt like a good marriage. It makes sense. I'm sure that Pierce wanted to stay in Atlanta. Obviously, he was the most successful he has ever been over these last couple of months. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, as we have seen, you can never have enough good relievers. And if he's going to be in the mix for seventh and eighth innings with Minter and then hand the ball over to Iglesias, that's at least on paper, a really strong trio in the back of your bullpen. I think the big thing was that he just wanted to desperately donate 1% of his salary to the Atlanta Braves Foundation. Scott, that's probably why he elected to come back. <laughs> hey, to, to the I... I am guilty of mocking the 1% thing, but ever since that Matt Olson story came out, yes. uh, helping out families with autism, now I kind of feel like there's, I, you know, I know that the jokes are, oh, it's, a, you know, the Braves are tax sheltering and all this stuff. But <laughs> after that Matt Olson uh, story on a lifelong friend who deals with pretty severe autism and the work that Matt has done, I mean, it's that that's what it's all about. So um, I am sure that 1% will be put to good use to, uh, help out whatever organization Pierce is passionate about. So uh, that's right, though. We we get the offseason on a, on a good note with a 1% contribution to the Atlanta Braves Foundation. That's absolutely right. Okay. With the news out of the way, again, a little bit well, what we're going to do now is basically just run through some big picture topics and storylines. No huge order after the first one. And we'll come back to all of these in more depth as the offseason goes along. But the first one is also the one that probably will happen the quickest, and that is the option deadline for uh, – they have a lot of options actually two-way, but the, the two big ones are Charlie Morton, kind of his own tier actually. It's $20 million um, with no buyout. And then Eddie Rosario has a $9 million option as well. Um, Morton, you know, everyone kind of knows the deal here. And by the way, they have they have until five days after the end of the World Series, which if it was happened, you know, if it was a sweep, that's November 5th. Like it's not that long away. So this is a pretty, like, within the next week or two, I have to make a decision on these guys. Morton's the big one because of the Kyle Wright injury and all of the rotation questions. Obviously, his age, he might just retire um, on top of everything else. But, uh, you know, Rosario was a, was a full-time starter this year for this team. So they basically have two guys who they counted on at a high level this year that they have, like, 
incumbent team decisions to make. And yes, Morton probably has a little bit more, more um, I would say individual <laughs> uh, kind of say in this because of his just retirement options, but Rosario is like kind of toasting in the wind right now as well. So what do you make of these quickly? And uh, cause this is obviously going to be next door number one on the list. Yeah. I think especially the Morton decision really weighs on what the Braves will do the rest of the way. As you mentioned the Kyle Wright injury. I mean, truly at this point, the Braves have Max Freed and Spencer Strider. You can pretty comfortably, I think put, Bryce Elder into like a fifth starter type of role next year. He he showed he was good enough for that. Probably yeah, nothing more. He, he is going to be in the rotation on opening day unless he just looks absolutely awful in, in the spring or gets hurt, I would say. Yes. yes. And, and I think Bryce Elder can be a perfectly fine fifth starter in the majors. Maybe he gets a little better next year. I, you know, we'll, we'll see. But back to Morton. You know, this is a big decision because – know overall charlie was perfectly fine last year i know every week you and i seemingly had some new charlie morton storyline to talk about but on the whole perfectly fine season uh he the home run ball which was a real problem a year ago calmed down it was actually below his career rate strikeouts are still high strikes out a, a good number of hitters but the command was not there and we're talking about a guy who turns 40 years old in a couple of weeks so happy early 40th birthday charlie now, it's a it's a big decision, man. I don't really have a read one way or the other. I do think, and this could, of course, be dated at any moment. I do think <laughs> that if Morton was coming back at the full 20 million, I think it would already be out there. Like, I, I think it would have been reported by now. I could be wrong. It's just a hunch. I think the farther we go in and, and you know, per league rules, there's nothing that says the Braves have to make a final decision before then. But I kind of get a hunch either one of two things. Either Charlie is going to retire or he might come back, but they might work out a new deal where maybe it's not quite $20 million. I don't know if the Braves value Charlie at $20 million, but they might value him at, say, $15 million. And if Charlie's willing to pitch at a reduced rate, maybe that happens. So that that's probably my uh, my rambling take on the Charlie Morton situation. Yeah, and I I get it. Um, just it's kind of funny after all of the consternation, um, both when the deal was signed last winter and also during the season. Fangraphs is not a perfect metric, but Fangraphs has a value metric that kind of aligns stats with a dollar value, and they had Morton being worth twenty one point six million last year. So Scott, that was a totally fine signing at twenty million dollars. Yeah, a year ago yeah. now. Obviously, there's risk there. The age, we all kind of, we, even as as the resident Charlie Morton stan, there is risk with a guy who's going to be 40. I mean, there's that's that's pretty obvious, but I'm just worth saying that out loud. I will say, like, if the Braves want Charlie back, I I think your point is a good one that they might try to get him for less. But this is a team that just set an attendance record, and they are by all accounts printing money right now. And I, I don't think that they should fool around with this too much if they want Charlie to be on the team next year, especially because like you said, they don't have a lot of options with the rotation. Like even if they have Morton back, I know I'm going to argue and you might as well, that they're going to still need another established starting pitcher, like even with Morton on the team, in my opinion. So anyway, if it's, if it's Morton for 20 million or maybe you try to get Morton for 12 million, like I would just, 
give him the 20 million and have him come back. But I will always raise my hand. It's not my money. So, um, and this is not a salary cap sport. So there's a little bit more flexibility. And this team does, they have spent more. Uh, I will tip my cap to Liberty Media and and Alex and all of the brain trust. They've spent more and more money on this team. But uh, I would hope that they're not going to like let Morton get away over money at this point. Because I think that even at his age, the one-year nature of, of a deal like this is that, you know, it's it's only money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't think you're going to get a guy who's better than Morton projected. And yes, again, there is downside. But let's just say Alex knows, or, at least, or maybe thinks that kind of along the lines that I do, that maybe you want to have another guy that's proven in addition to Morton. So you're, you're kind of penciling Charlie in as the fourth starter. Does it really matter on a one-year deal whether he's making 12 or 20 million? Like, I kind of don't think it does. Maybe it does to the to somebody somewhere, bottom line wise, but um, I have to be sold that personally. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's fair. And I think, you know, sure, you in general, you want to get the best deal that you possibly can because in theory, then you could throw more money out. I do agree entirely with a point you just made. I am totally cool if they bring back Charlie Morton for whatever dollar amount it is. Because who cares? I mean, it's not, it's a one year deal. Like the only way. You know, we don't. This is, this is a bit we've had before, but I'm sure we have new listeners. There is a competitive balance tax, but for, for the most part, this is not a salary cap sport where like fans should really care what guys are making on a one year basis. Like, yeah, you could say long term. Do you want to? You know, there, there's a there's a risk of overpaying someone long term that can like kind of just seek you for a long time. But on a one year deal, like I really kind of subscribe to the who cares thing. Like, it's like sign a guy for, yeah. It, Okay, Scott, I'll ask you this. How much money do you think would be fair for Charlie Morton as a free agent for one year right now? Um, you know, I, I tend to think it's a little less than $20 million. I mean, that yeah. that is decidedly a lot of money to pay a guy for one I, year. I, I, I agree with you, by the way. Just for the record, even again, as the big, as the Morton guy, I do agree sure. with you. But it's not that much less than $20 million. No, like, no. I, I would say if Charlie Morton was a free agent and the Braves signed him for $15 million, I would be totally cool with it. Like if he, yes. if he was somewhere else and they... The, the little uh, blue square comes across on Twitter and says the Atlanta Braves have signed Charlie Morton to a one-year $15 million deal with a 1% contribution to the Atlanta Braves Foundation. I'd be cool with it. I mean, that would be my take. So ultimately, another $5 million, again, it's not your money. It's not my money. I think where I feel strongest is whether or not Charlie Morton is there. Let, let's say he comes back for whatever dollar amount. They need to go out and add a legitimate number three starter. That they can't. I, I feel really strongly that they can't just kind of scoot by on the margins. We saw very quickly. I mean, Max Freed missed just about the entire regular season with his injury. If something happens to Freed again, if something happens to Spencer Strider, who just logged the most innings in his life by a considerable margin, let's hope Spencer stays healthy. But you know, even if it's not a long-term thing and a guy just is going to miss a few weeks, you know, the rotation can get really thin in a hurry. So re- regardless, I mean, if Charlie Morton retires, the Braves have to add two legitimate two starting pitchers. Yep. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of crazy to think about. Thankfully, they do have a little more depth in the farm system now. Over the last 18 months, they've been able to accumulate some talent. So if they have to make a trade, it's a decently healthy free agent market for starting pitchers. Guys like Sonny Gray and and uh, Jordan Montgomery's made himself a ton of money over the the playoff run. So, By the way, yeah. I, I will say though, to, not to cut you off, but like on the free agent 
market thing. Like there are, there might be five guys better than Charlie Morton for next year that are available. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And by the way, none of them are signing for one year. <laughs> no, and no. We you, all you, and we all know that Alex loves a one year deal. Like it's not like that's kind of like everything. Every time I look at the at the market, it's like yeah, there's some guys that you rather have, like your Aaron Nola or Blake Snell or whoever you want to say. Sure. But I mean, those guys are not going to take the deal that the Braves are going to offer. That well, at least the Braves are. Uh, reputationally going to offer you know what i mean they have not been a big spender in free agency really ever it's it's they, they spend on extensions under the under this regime but they don't they don't really give out these deals um and that's another topic for another day but it, it is kind of stark i mean and by the way we said it once already but just worth monitoring and saying this out loud that the reason why they have to go get two guys if Morton retires is because of Kyle Wright. Like they were obviously banking on Kyle Wright being there and he's not going to be there anymore, which is nobody's fault. It's just what it is. Like they're planning. I'm sure they're long-term planning. Kyle Wright was supposed to be right behind Freed and Strider as the third guy. And like, you know, that's unfortunate on a number of levels, but at least they know ahead of time, I guess is a small win there. They can plan for it, but that that's a, that's a loss that you just can't like overstate. I mean, having a guy that you thought was going to be in the middle of rotation, not be there is just something that has to happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So either way, the Braves need to add two legitimately good starting pitchers this winter. One of them may be Charlie Morton. One of them may not be. But either way, it's uh, pretty clearly, for me anyway, the biggest offseason storyline is what do they do with this rotation? Because you, you feel really, really good about your big two at the top. But after that, things are pretty thin. I strongly agree. And we'll have more on that. For sure, in the coming weeks. The other one that is, uh, like I, like we discussed already a little bit, is the Eddie Rosario decision. It's a $9 million club option with no buyout. And generally speaking, left field has been a topic for a long time on this podcast. But if they choose to let Eddie go, it becomes an even bigger topic. Because while Eddie Rosario is not terribly inspiring, I will be the first to say, other than the 21 playoff run, which he will he should never, he should never buy a meal again in, in the city of Atlanta, other than that, he is about the definition of a league average guy in left in left field um, across the board. I can give you all the numbers. We'll save we'll save it for now. But he's not great, nor is he terrible. But if they don't want to bring him back at nine million dollars or some other deal, um, they don't really have another option. I mean, Kevin Pillar is a free agent and also isn't really a starter at this point. There is no one in the in the uh, system unless they want to go to Von Grissom, which they don't really want to do. It doesn't seem like um, to be that guy. And in left field every day. So, like, if they don't keep Eddie, it becomes another another storyline, but also a tangential storyline, and that they have to find a left fielder because they don't they don't have that guy on the roster. Yeah, maybe not quite to the level of importance as Charlie Morton, but this this is a big decision for the Braves as well. I think they're going to decline it personally. I, I think they have to do better in left field. You know, we we know well just how streaky Eddie Rosario has been, and you know defensively he is a uh, shout out to Eddie Rosario who is a Gold Glove nominee. Yeah, um, I almost want to derail the podcast on that, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, congrats, yeah. Eddie. That's all I'll say. Congrats. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Rosario, Gold Glove finalist. That is the thing that happened. Yes, that is right. He might um, win, but he by the way he might win. Yeah, like defensively, apparently the left fielders in the National League are all horrible because statistically speaking, Eddie is not that bad compared to his peers. Uh, But, you know, the beauty of left field, 
especially because it's a bigger left field at Truist Park is, you know, if the Braves don't bring back Eddie, they have the option of really upgrading the position. And I think they will. If I had to make my very official prediction here, you know, a few days before Halloween, Eddie, I mean, man, he doesn't hit at a great level, had a 100 WRC plus, which is league average. I, I don't have the number in front of me. I would guess that's actually a little below average for left fielders. Defensively, he does not give you a whole lot. So you can dip into not only left fielders, but you could move a right fielder who or someone who plays right field in another organization to left field at Truist Park, especially if they're good defensively. Then you're talking about a truly elite defensive outfield. Um, so uh, if I had to guess, Eddie will be gone. I love Eddie Rosario from the bottom of my heart. The Braves do not win a World Series two years ago without Eddie. But for $9 million, I just I think it's too much money to commit to a guy with his inconsistencies. And who knows, maybe in two months, three months, if plans A, B, C, and D all don't work out for Anthopolis, I don't think there's going to be a ton of interest in Eddie Rosario and 32-year-old outfielder with the season he just had. It's not like he's going to have 15 offers in hand by Thanksgiving and the Braves are going to miss out. I think there's an opportunity to reunite later in the winter if they just can't make anything else happen. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point that I hadn't even really thought that much about at this point in the offseason. And and look, if he does exactly what he did last year, which was, I mean, the epitome of league average, 100 WRC plus, he's worth about a win and a half. Um, that is a player that you could say is about a $9 million player, honestly. So it's not like, it's similar to Morton and also different in that if the Braves announce that they are picking up Eddie, Eddie Rosario's club option, no one's going to fist pump. You know what I mean? No one's going to be excited about that. Yeah. It I, also, it's the same principle though. It's it's not my money and it's a one-year deal. Like I, I don't really hate that, but I will say like to your point earlier, I would hope that comes along with some sort of, you know, affirmative move to boost his partner in left field, if that makes sense. Like I know you wrote this down in the notes and I'll, and I'll pass it to you on, on this note. Anthopolis told the media, I think Sean talked talked about it as well on the Daily Hammer in his exit interview call, basically, that they at least tried to add a right-handed bat at the deadline. And it kind of had to be a left fielder. Like, where else was that guy going to play? It kind of had to be a guy that was maybe either going to be partnering with Eddie or playing over the top of Eddie. And I don't think it's, like, insane to keep Rosario as part of a platoon because, look, the Braves are spoiled in some ways about, like, how few offensive questions they have. It's basically just shortstop and left field. Like, you can do a platoon at one position. There's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that all all respect to Kevin Pillar, who everybody likes, including me, you would hope that the plan would be, okay, Eddie, we're going to bring you back at $9 million because we already had you under under team control. It's one one year. But we're also going to hopefully go acquire someone who is better than Kevin Pillar and who, who might split with you, like actually split with you, whereas Rosario was playing mostly every day. Yeah, that that's the downside with Eddie is that he's left-handed, which means he's going to play 80% of the time or and, so. And it was weird. I mean, it's, it's one year, and we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, later, but like he actually was worse against righties than you would think this year. Like normally he had a pretty significant platoon split. He was okay against righties. It wasn't bad, but like you normally think he'd be worse against lefties. He was actually a little bit closer to neutral this year. It's once It's one year. I don't really care that much about that, but it also makes it, it almost makes it harder because yes. like you said, he's already facing righties. And it's like, if he's not mashing righties, that really is his primary job on the roster. At least it was last year. It's like, okay, yeah. Eddie, we had been lined up to kill right-handed pitching. And if you don't do that, 
everything else kind of looks more uh, uninspiring. Yeah, I will be genuinely disappointed if they pick up the Rosario option. Like, I'll, I'll do a podcast with you, I, Brad. And, I, and I, I won't be, but I, I get why you would be, if that makes yeah. sense. I mean, I, I will be pretty disheartened if they bring Eddie back because it feels like the easy, safe, no risk, don't push any chips in move because you can upgrade left field. I mean, there's there is a very real world where you can improve upon Eddie Rosario for 85% of the time and Kevin Pillar for 15% or whatever you want to do. I, I, I sincerely, I mean, again, man, love Eddie Rosario. His <laughs> run in 2021 is all time. Yes. stuff of legend i'll I'll tell my my kids about it one day but i i think it's time to move on shake hands thank him for everything but i really think especially at the end of october early november whenever the decision gets made you don't have to lock yourself into 32 year old eddie rosario for a non-substantial nine million dollars i mean right nine million bucks yeah, is nine million real, bucks that's real money and as I said, you know, a little earlier, if it just doesn't work out elsewhere, if teams are outbidding you for free agents or trades or whatever, you can always circle back to Eddie Rosario in a month or two or three because I just don't think teams are going to be kicking down the door to sign him. Yeah, and look, he I could see a scenario where Eddie gets nine, ten million from somebody else. And if that happens, you just tip your cap. It, it's one of those things where and look, I I know I, I sounded more positive than you are because I probably am, but I personally, I would not pick it up if I was the Braves. I want to be clear about that. Um, I would at least kind of get it because of the one year commitment thing. And the fact that this team does at least probably should have an even more expanded payroll after the way this, this last year went, they made a lot of money this year, all that stuff. But yeah, I personally wouldn't do it. Uh, Maybe the way to sell it to me as we sort of transition to the, to the next kind of storyline is uh, maybe an upgrade at shortstop and, or something like that. Like, there's lots of talk about this, and we'll save a lot of it for later on. But you know, Vaughn Grissom is a storyline because he seems like a pretty logical trade candidate because he doesn't really have a spot. Like Anthopolis geared him in the exit interview towards the infield, and if you look at the infield, there isn't a place for him to play in the infield. He'd be more of a utility guy, but they also already have Nicky Lopez, who did a great job in that role this year. Obviously, a much better glove than Vaughn Grissom, etc. And then you can get into, if you want to, probably not a ton now, but like, are they satisfied with Orlando Garcia? I don't know. He's kind of the only other guy that they might convince themselves they could upgrade on because for as as serviceable and as solid as he was this year, he's not like a top level shortstop. He's fine. And he uh, tilted off this year, all that stuff. And I know I'm a little bit lower on him than some, but like, and that's not really a shot at him. It's just the fact that they're so set everywhere else that it's like, if you're looking at the lineup, the way to maybe sell a left uninspiring left field would be to upgrade a shortstop. And there's not really a way to do that because they didn't want to give the job to Vaughn this last year. They have Arcia and Lopez for very cheap. So maybe they just stick with those, with, with those two guys. Like it's kind of a lot of moving parts. And in the end, I think the, the bigger thing probably is just Grissom and like, he's by far their best trade chip. So if they were to go out and make a decision on that, maybe to acquire a starting pitcher, that's been a popular idea. I know Steven thrown out there makes a lot of sense to me, but uh, what do you make of that whole saga? Because Vaughn is going to get a lot of attention. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating decision. If I again, it's funny making predictions for next year, not even before Halloween. But if I had to bet it's with part a, of the fun, Scott. That's right. Fun. That's right. That's why we do these podcasts in late October. We'll have um, much more in depth stuff later on. Just for the record, <laughs> we will. Yes. Yeah. We'll do full deep dive on the roster and, of course, moves and all that good stuff. So, like, subscribe, check us out. Um, 
you know, if I had to bet a decent amount of money that I would say that Von Grissom will be part of a different organization in some point over the next four or five months, I just don't know where he's going to play. Um, you know, there, there was some, he, he sounds like he was okay at shortstop I, in, in Gwinnett. I still have some questions. I, I don't think he'd be ready for an everyday job in the I, major league. I, I cannot imagine to add to you. I cannot imagine the Braves giving him the shortstop job. You know what I mean? Like now, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe later if he just proves it, but like after all of what transpired this last year, they went and proactively got another guy, Nicky Lopez, like for them to like look up in April and Vaughn is your open day shortstop would like pretty much stun me, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And, and then where else are you going to play him? I mean, there was, it, there was seemingly no interest in moving him to left field. That Which he I don't, did I don't not, understand. But alas. Yeah. I, I would at least <laughs> try him out there. I mean, I think, I think that Vaughn Grissom is going to hit in the major leagues. He just needs to play consistently. But I don't know where he's going to play, which is interesting. I don't know if his glove is good enough for an infield job. Uh, the Braves, at least, have not been inclined to move him to left field. He is only 23 years old, so maybe that happens at some point. But, you know, it's, it's a fascinating spot. He's clearly a talented kid, has a lot of tools, things he does well on a baseball field. I just don't know what his role would be with the Braves. And as we've outlined, they have at least one, if not two, very large holes in the rotation. They could, in theory, upgrade shortstop, as you outlined very nicely. Orlando Arcia, perfectly fine. Um, similarly, a year ago, Travis Darno, perfectly fine at catcher. Yep. And the Braves threw a curveball and went out and got Sean Murphy as a way to upgrade the position. I think that's in the realm of possibilities. I'm also not sure how many just clear-cut shortstop upgrades are going to be feasibly available over, you know, who are better than than Arcia. Um, so yeah, that is uh outside of the free agent decisions and roster options, I think the left field upgrade and if they just roll, run it back with Arcia, um, you know, that that's a big thing to keep an eye on this winter as well. Yeah, lots of moving parts there, but uh, I think that. You know, they maybe you could say that someone like Smith Shaver or Waldrop are better, are sort of more valuable trade chips than Von Grissom, but the list is very short. Um, Von would be high on that list, and clearly they don't really have a stockpile, as we talked about earlier, of ready made starting pitchers. So Vaughn would be the guy that you would probably have to circle as the most likely trade candidate and uh, a storyline to monitor there as well. Lastly, before we get out of here, there's obviously some more pitching stuff. Um, we talked about a lot of this already, but the fact that the rotation just has holes, they have a lot of names, you know, your Smith Shavers, your Waldrips, obviously maybe be a chance of doing that. It'd be a very sexy option as a recent draftee vines and Winans and Schuster and Dodd and Michael Soroka or Kobe Allard. How about Yanni Chirinos is still, is still under T, under T control. Scott, oh, I forgot man. about that until, till today. Yeah. What Waskari Noah is also probably still under back. T control. Yes. Yeah. From uh, uh, Tommy so, John. At those are point. a lot. Those are a lot of uh, names of players. I'll say that's all I got for you on that. They are, they are adult men who throw baseballs. And, I and don't I, know. I do, th- I do think one of them, one of them could open the season in the rotation. I, I, I do think that there is a chance that the Braves, Ooh. just out yeah. of necessity, might have to just go in with a with one of those spots and say, "May the best man win." And maybe it's Smith Shaver as the incumbent, as clearly like. 
you know, the guy who made it this year and also has pedigree and stuff like he would be clearly the most appealing name other than maybe Waldrop going insane in spring. Um, I, I could see them opening the season with Smith Schauber as the fifth starter. I would not be terribly surprised by that. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but that means that Bryce, I mean, I guess, well, yeah. now we're going down the but, rabbit well, hole. But no, and we won't, and we won't, but you're right. I mean, look, I, I have to say it seems like, seems like the Braves probably like Bryce Elder more than me and you do. <laughs> I, yeah, I have to, I have probably. to say that. He, but, I mean, the guy, all joking aside, he was named an all-star this year uh, and he earned it. Obviously it wasn't really what we would describe as being real in terms of like true talents, but he was literally an all-star this year. And I think that that will matter on some level, um, that kind of thing and his overall performance. So we, you and I, I think very much agree on what Bryce Elder is. I do think the Braves might be either tempted or maybe just have a higher belief in him than you and I do just, just for the record. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I think ultimately the back end of the rotation is going to matter less if they can add a really good number yes. three starter. Yeah. If they get a, you know, let, let's take Charlie Morton out of the equation. One way or the other, they're going to have to add two starters, whether it's Morton or not. You know, if they can use some of their surplus depth, maybe Vaughn Grissom, some of these like AAA on the cusp of the major league pitchers as depth, they have some talent at the lower levels as well because of how they have drafted high school talent in recent years. You know, if they can add a legitimately good pitcher, you know, a team like Seattle is a natural trade partner. Um, the bad teams, I, without, again, without doing a whole hour deep dive on trade partners, you know, there, <laughs> there will be talented pitchers available because there always are in the offseason. Some teams are trying to win. Some teams are trying to lose and rebuild and stockpile talent and all of that. Um, I think for me, my my care about the rotation is far more focused on adding a really good number three behind Freed and Strider than whoever's going to carousel in the fifth spot. Because as we have seen the last like four seasons, that has very much been a rotating door for the Braves. Yep. We'll leave it there for now. And we, we'll do another hour on that. I'm sure at a very soon time, um, the bullpen has some decisions too. you know, Jimenez is a free agent. He's the biggest free agent they have now that Chris Johnson is back and signed. They have club options on Kirby Yates, Brad hand and Colin McHugh. And I saw today, Scott, that you waded into the waters on Twitter slash X about this. So uh, I'm going to defer to you on how much you want to say about the club options for the trio of veterans, Yates, Hand, and McHugh. Yeah, so quick housekeeping. Kirby Yates has a $5.75 million club option, although $1.25 million of that is a buyout if the Braves opt to decline it. So ultimately, they have to decide if they want Kirby Yates for $4.5 million next year, my personal take, and we'll, we'll be brief on all three of these. My personal take is I think they bring Yates back for four and a half million. He is not great. He had walk issues, but he he also had big time strikeout numbers. And it was really his first full season of being healthy since the Tommy John. The Braves clearly like Yates. So ultimately, it is a four and a half million dollar decision for the Braves on Kirby Yates. Uh, Brad Hand has a seven million dollar club option. Ooh, that's a lot yeah. of money Brad Hand. Brad Hand, yeah. I mean, so that that feels to me like an automatic decline. Especially after, uh, and look, I just talked about how much I don't care about the wallets of Liberty Media, but when you just already paid $7 million a year for Pierce Johnson, and you already have a closer making full-on closer money in Iglesias, 
uh, you know, the bullpen, there probably is a cap on what they're going to spend on the bullpen. I, yeah. I don't think it's going to matter. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't think they want to have Brad Hayford for $7 million. Is my best guess. Right. And if, if Pierce Johnson is available for $7 million, I would much rather spend, if they're going to add one more, like good, decently paid reliever. I would much rather spend the money on someone better than Brad Hand. Well, and he may be a guy too if they like him. And we don't know. Like he's he was so new that we don't really have a feel on this. But maybe he's a guy that they can decline and sign for two and a half million. Totally. You know what I mean, like that kind yeah. of thing. Brad, um, Brad Hand will be available in February. I say that with pretty high. Confidence. He he might be. And look, I mean, we should say like Brad Hand has actually been kind of in demand in previous seasons, and like I think we're. He's not great, but he's been a good, he's been a serviceable pitcher for a long time. But yeah, I think that's a lot of money for him for sure, especially with the small buyout. Um, you, you laid out the Yates thing very well. But the difference there is that, you know, the Braves kind of surprised us all by like affirmatively giving Kirby Yates a bunch of money when it was not at all proven that he was going to be able to pitch. You know what I mean? He was coming off the injury and yeah, they were really yeah. buying the talent there. They clearly see something in Kirby Yates, whether they still do or not, I guess is a question. But at some point in the very recent past, they really, really bought what Kirby Yates could be. Whereas Brad Hand, they kind of picked up for very cheap in the middle of the season, and um, the commitment level is not there. Right. Exactly. So maybe they reunite with Brad Hand. There are always veteran lefties available in free agency. Also, Matzik should be back. Matzik, that's right, baby. Sleeper, Tyler Matzik could be back next year. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm I'm so high. Man, I hope his health and recovery cooperate and he can get back to the level he was because i mean we talked about eddie rosario not having to buy a meal the rest of his life in atlanta Same for yes. yeah yeah that's that's a bad man Agreed. Uh, and then finally colin McHugh, a six million dollar club option <laughs> oh, million colin dollar McHugh. buyout um god I, I love how stuff gets blown out of proportion on twitter um i think so basically the decision is do the braves want McHugh for $5 million or do they want to pay him a million dollars to go away? I kind of have an inkling that he will be back, but they won't exercise the club option. They will negotiate like a two or $3 million deal. I let me, let me emphasize this. I completely understand that Colin McHugh was very bad last season. Yes. He was also hurt. He had a shoulder problem. He was very, very good every year prior to this past one. Um, sounds like he had some off-field stuff happening as well. He's so also old. I am. Literally. He is old. He throws like eighty-seven. I am. I promise you, if the Braves don't bring back Colin McHugh, I am totally fine with it. Um, but anywho, a six million dollar club option, one million dollar buyout. We will see what they do. Um, but yeah, so we'll we'll have some more clarity on the bullpen here. And then you know, Brad, quickly, Joe Jimenez was a fascinating guy for me all year. Because if you just look at Jimenez's numbers, they're good. I mean, they're they're bordering on really good for somebody who is not a closer or even a setup man. But I also feel like the Braves had no confidence in Jimenez. He he pitched in very few high leverage spots. I don't know. He he will be an interesting case study to see what kind of a deal he gets this winter. Yeah, and I think he actually might get a decent contract. Like it's it's tough to project what relievers will get for all the obvious reasons, but this is a guy who for the last two years combined has been, like you said, quite effective. He's got pretty good stuff. I could see him getting a real commitment from somebody. I don't know who that would be. Maybe it's the Braves. I don't know, but yeah, he, he is an interesting case for sure. Also one more note, one more note on McHugh. Um, it's not the same as Morton. I'll be very clear about that. 
Um, Morton, I think at this point, is almost certainly going to retire or, or, or be on the Braves. Um, McHugh could be similar in that he is also a local product. He is from Gwinnett County. He has kind of always been around Atlanta. I know he didn't like pitch for the Braves the entire time, but I think he might be a retired candidate as well. He's 36. Um, I could see a situation that you kind of outlined there uh, where like McHugh's like, hey guys, I- I'd like to be in Atlanta or I'd like to retire. Can I have $3 million? You yeah. I mean? <laughs> right. Which is not a bad position to be no. in. No, and, and, and look, like it, yeah. it, if it comes out and you and I agree wholeheartedly on what McHugh was last year. But if you already have to buy him out for a million dollars, if you can avoid that and give him three instead and have him on your team, I'd rather do that. It's not my, it's not my money. And there's a chance that he's good. Now there's a chance he's done for sure. And the Braves probably know, in fact, they definitely know more than we do about it. But uh, yeah, that, that's one with some nuance. So is Yates. Like I think Han is pretty clear, but Yates and McHugh are like pretty interesting scenarios, honestly. Um yeah. For all kinds of reasons. So uh, circle those. Obviously, they're not quite as impactful as Morton, uh, especially, but even even as much as Rosario. But um, having five pretty interesting club option choices in the next two weeks is like fascinating. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be a boy. It'd be a hell of a move to just like drop one gigantic press release. Like, and I mean, the Braves might do that. That's what the Braves kind of do. That's, yeah, they just don't. Yeah. They don't particularly want to do the whole thing. Even I listened to the entire fifty minutes of Alex on that Zoom call, and he even like multiple times said like, kind of leaning lean into the bit about how like they don't like anybody knowing anything they do. Like I, as someone who covers a lot of in person press conferences and basketball coaches and things, uh, Alex is pretty darn good at saying nothing when he wants to. Oh, he's uh, amazing at it. He yeah. could talk for 25 minutes and not say a single thing of substance. Right. So, And, that, and that, that's a talent in itself. But I think that they are not keen to give out a lot of information on any of these kind of decisions, which is fine. I mean, I think that we know how they feel about Charlie Morton. That's kind of the only guy where, like, I know they like Charlie. Everyone likes Charlie. Um, I think if it was all the same to them, um, you know, pending money circumstances, obviously, they'd like to have Charlie around. Um, the other the other guys, I, I mean, obviously like 80, 82, but it's just a different situation. OK, that's all I have in club options. And uh, certainly if we get if we get news uh, in between now and, you know, next week and a half, two weeks, either Sean will take take care of the news uh, breakdowns or we'll have uh, we'll talk about it or Stephen and Chris will talk about it. We'll probably all talk about it along the way. So stay tuned for all of that. All right, Scott, unless you have more storylines to add, let's end briefly on the World Series. That's right. Let's do it. Uh, the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. I mean, I I know I predicted that back in April. I, I think mean, you did too. This is just the most absurd thing in the world. So, um, if you are a new listener, somehow, thank you for being here in October, late October after the Razor Eliminated. Um, but if you're a recurring listener, which is more likely, um, you will know that uh, in particular me, but I think it's got to some level as well. I I have voiced my disdain for the expanded playoffs for a long time, well before it was trendy because the Braves were losing as the number one seed. Um, this is an example of a couple things. Number one, the expanded playoffs and the possibilities that could happen there um, with a team like Arizona, who has a who had a negative run differential this year. Yes, they were outscored for the season and they're, they're in the World Series. They won the same amount of games as the Marlins this year, who we all made fun of. Um, and then you throw in the fact that uh, also our one of our podcast tenets is that baseball is pretty random and you can't predict it. And another example of that would be uh, the Rangers lost all three home games in the, uh, in the ALCS and they won the ALCS. 
Um, that's hard to do. It's hard to lose every single home game and win the series. And they did it. Uh, the Rangers at least had a good season this year in comparison to Diamondbacks. Like they scored a lot of runs. They had a really good offense. I think that talent wise, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not name wise, the Rangers are a pretty reasonable World Series team. Like they had a plus one sixty five run differential. That was second in the in the American League this year. So like team quality wise, you know, less bothersome to me. But in the end, this is the five seed in the AL against the six seed in the in, in the NL. And if you, even even I mean a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, Scott, this matchup seemed uh, incredibly unlikely. And that's I mean you, you joked about it before the season. Even in like mid October, it seemed very unlikely this would be the matchup. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I, I, I'm going to watch all of it. I'm excited to watch it, but it is a great shiny example of, I guess, what baseball wants? Question mark. Like they huh. they want the wide open field. They don't really want. They're not really interested in actually rewarding the best teams. And that's this is what you get. Uh, baseball yeah. is random, and this is where we are. That's right. It is random. It's I think both the beauty and the curse. Yes. Uh, of course, it's it's going to sting when you're a fan of the best team in the league all year long. And then they lose, right? I mean, but um, the Braves won 20, 20 more games than the Diamondbacks this year, Scott. Yes. 20, 20 more games. They outscored the a- Diamondbacks by 246 runs. Oh, my season. God. That is a lot of runs, Brad. I mean, the Braves were 52 and 29 on the road this year, and the Diamondbacks were 43 and 38 at home. Like, I have all kinds of stats on this. It's unbelievable to me. But, uh, that and look, I know we're a Braves podcast, so this is a, even a, a more obvious example this year. But I promise you, I would be saying this even if the Braves did not win 104 games. In fact, I have said it on this podcast well before that. But it is kind of just undeniably wild, I guess is the word I'll use to have the Braves. The Braves were so, so, so much better. I mean, we, we talked about how much better than they were than the Phillies this year. The Phillies were at least a 91 team that was a you know clearly good team you you could legitimately argue that diamondbacks just weren't very good this year yeah, yeah. and there and here they are in the world series yeah here they are so let's get your uh, very official world series prediction bradley Ugh. who is going to win the world series and a bonus point who is going to be the uh world series mvp um i i have to stress my lack of confidence in this pick i, I mean the rangers are better than the diamondbacks talent wise i have to pick the rangers they have they have home field uh, I think that they're just better. Um, I, with that said, I would certainly not give them more than a 60% chance to win. Um, it was definitely a 60, 40 series at absolute most. Um, I'm sure you caught this considering you are an Arizona resident, the whole Chris Russo saga last week. Oh yeah. Where he, awesome. uh, if you missed this, uh, listeners, um, Chris Russo, AKA mad dog, uh, apparently <laughs> went on the air and said he was going to retire if the Diamondbacks, one game seven in Philadelphia uh, to which before the game even happened, I tweeted, I tweeted anytime you can have uh bet your entire career on a game. That's at the absolute most a 70, 30 proposition. You have to do it. Um, and he, he did it. And, uh, but Scott spoiler alert, I don't believe he's going to retire. Yeah. Just my guess. Um, no, uh, <laughs> no honor among national media. No honor. Uh, just a ridiculous. I mean, honestly, yeah. we've all said it many times, but a one game baseball sample, like the worst team in the league wins 20% of the time if yeah. or more. So you're just yeah. being silly. Anyway, uh, my pick will be the Rangers 
in a long series, you know, Rangers in six ish, maybe seven. Um, if Arizona wins, I won't be surprised at all because it's baseball and like, you know, I'm, the betting market right now, I think Texas is like a minus one seventy five favorite, which is a decent size favorite, but nothing, nothing massive at all. I guess I have to pick a member of the Rangers, huh? That's there actually are the team I'm picking to win. I will go. Corey Seager is too obvious. Uh, give me, you know what? Give me the guy who's struggling on the Rangers. Give me Marcus Semyon to break out and have a good, Ooh, nice have, a good have a good World Series. Yeah. I have no, Still by the way, baseball. he's been awful in the playoffs. So maybe he's just due, or he's also just a good player. Yeah. But uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm begging on him to kind of just find it, and then in, in the in the next three days and be good. Nice. There you go. Yeah, I, I hate that we always agree. I, I'm going Rangers. <laughs> I mean, there's only two options here, Scott. That's <laughs> fair. Well, I was going to go Rangers and six, and then you said Rangers and six. So um, I think Rangers and six, I will take Corey Seager. I mean, that guy's just so, so good. We saw firsthand what he did with LA, and now he's just a monster with the Rangers. So I think it'll be a fun series. There is a small chance, Bradley, that I might actually get some World Series tickets. Which would I be- promise you I was going to ask that question, knowing that you are not far away. I wasn't going to bring up the whole looming thing about how you were probably going to be in the building if the Braves made the NLCS. Oh, um, man. But yeah, uh, all that all that said, I, I I suspected you might find your way into the building for one of these games. But look, you're also not a Diamondbacks fan. So like you have to have a connection. I, I, know, I know you're not going to pay full freight to get in. That would be. Oh, uh, oh no. I might have free tickets. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no way you're going to pay uh, um, StubHub markup for World Series tickets for a team that you don't actually care about that much. Uh, For my Arizona Diamondbacks, a lifelong support now. I mean, Um, you you, you do live, and look, I'm sure you, uh, unlike me, I I, candidly, Scott, do not know a D-backs fan in in real life. I I know some online folks that I've interacted with that are Diamondbacks fans, and shouts to them. But I, I I don't know anyone, and great, I live in Atlanta, Georgia, but I don't know a single Diamondbacks fan in real life. So. Yeah, Phoenix Phoenix in the metro area is a pretty good baseball city. Um, it's a pretty mild sports town, I guess, a lot of transplants. I mean, there's more Cowboy and Bronco fans than there are Cardinals fans. Um, you know, the Diamondbacks, when they're good, they fill up Chase Field pretty good. But, I mean, back when they were terrible, I mean, you can get a, a prime seat behind the plate for all of 50 bucks, which is uh, probably not the case in Atlanta these days. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's been fun. I mean, they're, they're obviously a very young team, a team on the rise, just have done a great job of developing. I mean, Corbin, Corbin Carroll is a superstar. Yes. Uh, they, I mean, they have just like Alec Thomas, the center fielder is a really fun player. They also have some vets, you know, like Evan Longoria, who's however many years old now is still out there at third base. So they are an easy team. I think from a, a casual viewing perspective. These are two easy teams to root for. Agreed. Uh, I mean, there, there's no, I don't know anyone who has bad, bad blood towards the Diamondbacks. And I mean, maybe the Rangers, but they also haven't been very good in recent years. No, I mean, the last time they were good was, was the Ron Washington led yeah, crew yeah. Um, that lost in the world series. And like, obviously everybody loves wash and around here. And right. yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, other than I could see Braves fans not rooting for Max Scherzer. <laughs> <laughs> who happens to be on the Rangers. Um, yeah, yeah. But other than that, like I agree, there's not a lot of negativity from my corner of the world on any, yeah. either one of these teams. And, you know, some pretty intriguing pitching, to be honest, like, you know, Zach Gallon hasn't been great in the playoffs, but he's a very good pitcher. Merrill Kelly is quite good. Um, Brandon Fott had a great start. That was uh pivotal in the uh, NLCS. The Rangers have Jordan Montgomery, who's been lights out. And Nathan Evaldi is like the, 
the new Madison Bumgarner, where he's just like incredible in the playoffs always for some reason. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. Maybe that may, I, I'm sure we'll get a lot of ratings talk and uh, it's just kind of silly. I mean, it's whatever, but, uh, yeah, your life does not change. Someone tweeted this. Your life does not change. Whatever the MLB TV World Series ratings are, your life is not going to change. So we don't, no, and, really... you know, watch it or don't. Like, I, you know, it's one of those yeah. things where I, as I get older, especially I, you know, do it, do what makes you happy. If you want, if you want to watch, if you want to watch, go ahead and watch. If you don't want to watch, that's also fine. Um, okay. Well, Scott, we're on the record. World Series predictions have been made. We both went with the absolute squarest prediction imaginable, which is the favorite and six but that's okay. We are, we're, we are here. Um, Diamondbacks. Yeah. Diamondbacks in four. Let, let's go. I would love to see actually one more question. I know it's a little bit different for you because you live in Arizona. I, I wish I had another Braves fan to ask this question to on the podcast. Uh, I wonder if Braves fans are rooting for the Diamondbacks or not. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're the I underdog would... and normally the underdog gets, gets rooted for, but like, do you want to root for the national league team that won 84 yeah. games? I don't who, really know who beat the Phillies. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the the driving factor would be they just knocked out the Phillies. They have, I mean, they won it in 2001, beat the Yankees, and then really have not even sniffed a playoff run no, over the been, last 20 years. They've been bad for a while. Yeah. Not like always terrible, but like not really a threat to do much of anything. Yeah. Okay. I, I can see and, all sides. And Brad, hold on. We're we missing this. And uh, they knocked out the Dodgers. They swept they, the Dodgers. They, they sure so, did. That was stunning. This team sweeps LA, sweeps Philly, probably the two biggest rivals the Braves have right now. So I guess the Mets are in there too, but they kind of stink. So the Mets, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Go D backs. Yeah. I kind of want the D backs to win, if only to just prove once again how shambolic it all is. You know what I mean? Uh, It would just be a great. Uh, talking point from for uh, the podcast agenda of random baseball and not just showing people the light that is random playoff baseball. But also, I also part of me wants the better team to win, which I believe is the Rangers, because just to like have the better team actually win. I don't know. Uh, I also have a good friend that's a Rangers fan who I would like to see happy. So it's always it's always mixed mixed emotions. Yeah, so. both both fan bases deserve this. This is not the Astros trying to win their, you know, what, third World Series in seven years. I mean, that these are two deserving fan bases. I agree. Uh, we have one more topic that you added to the bottom of the dock, and I actually missed it until right now. Uh, I'll, I'll let you tee it up because that's it's kind of funny that you wrote it here, but I, I guess it's true. I, I missed this until right now. This is the most important thing we're going to talk about on this podcast tonight, Brad. <laughs> this is not true at all, by the way. Very, very important. Uh, Brad, can you tell me? Who is in first place in the oh, battery God. power fantasy football league? Do you uh, know? I'm, I'm going to confirm just because I'm looking at. I, I believe I believe it's one Scott Coleman uh, at this moment. Oh, I yeah, I, I didn't it's... realize that. Um, so you know, Brad and I. There's a battery power fantasy football league. Um, I play Brad this week. Should be a lot That's... of fun. I'm number I'm, one. I'm in, I'm in fourth place right now out of 12. So but I'm, you, I'm not doing terribly. But but you're second in points scored. Which of course I am. Is uh is kind of the the real metric of how good a fantasy football team is. That's true. Not just the uh the luck of who you play. But anywho, so everyone, please root for me against Brad this week <laughs> in fantasy football. Um, oh no, our, our the podcast relationship depends on a uh, no. We're, we're we're joking. It's a lot of fun. I love fantasy football. 
my uh, my NFL interest would decline significantly if fantasy football was not a thing. I don't know if you're at that same level, Brad. Uh, it would it would decline a little bit for sure. I don't I don't know if it would be as much as you, but I I agree. Uh, I have a very strange team that I will not bore anyone with, other than the fact that I have two potentially washed running backs that I invested high, highly in. I have Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs. Not going well for either one of them right now. Uh, but I do have Pukunakua, so. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a bad fifth round pick there. That uh, one worked out okay. Yeah. Anyway, there it is. The showdown of the century happens on Sunday. Well, I guess tonight as well as Sunday and Monday between Scott and I. But after all that, um, behind the curtain, uh, Scott and I were planning for this to be like a 30 minute podcast and we're in an hour. So that's that's very much on brand for all of what we do on this show. Scott, please uh, take a second and share your uh, your contact info. However you, you want to say that. Where can folks find you online if they so choose, if we have new listeners on the podcast? There we go. Yeah. AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> and uh, no. Um, yeah. Thanks to everybody for checking us out. If you're a longtime listener, you know that we do these all throughout the winter, both looking back on the season and also any any transactions, any moves, any big time rumors. So we'll be here all winter long. We don't go away. Um, please be sure to check out the site, batterypower.com. We will have uh, a lot of content there, reviewing the season, looking back on players, trying to look at trends. Like I, I know me personally, I'm fascinated to do like a deep dive on Sean Murphy's very weird season. I can assure you that that article will be on the site at some point this winter. So please check us out and uh, continue to tune in. We're here. It's still a fun time of year. I think at the beginning of the off season, there's just so many opportunities and things that a team can do. So we'll be back at some point soon. Absolutely. I echo all of that. Please, please, please subscribe. It's the best possible thing that you can do to support this show is to subscribe and download each and every episode of the program, whether it is Scott and I, whether it is Sean of the Daily Hammer, whether it is a podcast being named later with Stephen and Chris. We'll be here all the way through the winter with uh, breaking news as well as analysis and roster stuff, etc. Five-star raise reviews, also appreciate it. And look, also, you should be reading the site as Scott lays out. Batterypower.com, it is fantastic reference point for any Braves fan. Chris runs the show. You got Ivan, you got Demetrius, you got, we all write there. Always, I write very sparingly, but Scott and Steven and Sean, etc. So great place to find all of your stuff in written form as well at batterypower.com. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast tonight, everybody. I really do appreciate it. We'll see you all next time. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 